Are you a manager who is eager to change the trajectory of your career? I have spent the last 23 years as a Fortune 50 leader learning from other industry leaders how to break free from limiting beliefs and habits. On the Might and Motion podcast, we focus on the four M's, motivation, momentum, mindfulness, and might. We bring you leaders from Fortune companies, doctors, and entrepreneurs. Their stories of living their own might in motion will inspire you to create your own action plan and achieve your goals. Welcome to Might in Motion. Today's episode of Might in Motion is brought to you by Pantheon FM, Fortunes Magnified. Pantheon FM is changing the world through entrepreneurship. In this community, you will find everything you need to create, amplify, and monetize your world-changing business. Join us at pantheon.community forward slash register forward slash LAUA. Tonight, I bring to you Jacqueline Wales, the author of The Fearless Factor at Work. Change is not easy, but having the right tools, insights, and support make it achievable. As a coach and trusted advisor to many highly accomplished, super smart women, including academics, entrepreneurs, scientists, and corporate executives, she has helped them find the courage to take control of their lives and defeat the self-doubt and resistance to change that stopped many from taking more risks and thus achieving more. She's written extensively on self-awareness, published three books, including The Fearless Factor, the Fearless Factor at Work, and a novel, When the Crow Sings. And she's created the online program, Transformational Strategies for Success. Jacqueline, welcome to Might in Motion. Nice to be here, Barianna. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. We had, we'd met in, a, in another group uh, probably about two or three months ago. And we've had a one-on-one chat and I've been in different discussions with you. And every time I walk away super fired up and excited about what a challenge can actually bring you and not to be afraid of it. Um, We were talking in the green room a little bit about your thoughts on unleashing the power of fear. And so I thought, let's just jump right in. <laughs> and I'd just love for you to kind of to share at a high level. What does that mean to you? And how have you helped others navigate getting over their own fear? So the reason I came to this, and I'm about to do a TED talk on this, this particular subject, um, is because I myself have lived with a tremendous amount of fear. I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, shall we say, where there was a lot of violence and alcoholism and and anger and disappointment, the whole range of it. Uh, And so I had my own traumas to deal with. And I lived a great deal of my life with the insecurity of feeling I wasn't good enough, I wasn't worthy, I didn't deserve, I wasn't capable. Um, This was the internal dialogue. And when you unleash the power of fear, what we're really speaking to here is the willingness to show up and look at fear directly. Because after all, what is fear? But it's a fight or flight response to a hormonal surge that forces you to think about wanting to run for safety. Of course, safety is an illusion as far as I'm concerned, because fear primarily is the stories that we tell ourselves. And the stories that you're telling yourself about not being capable, not being good enough, not being worthy, et cetera, et cetera, are based on 
on other people's ideas of who you are. And if you go back and you, you think hard about the influences, the early influences of your life, I bet you somewhere along the way, someone managed to plant that idea in your head and you've carried it with you for however many years you've been on this earth. So when we unleash the power of fear, which I have done in the, the process of, of my lifetime and in the, the work I've done with many, many hundreds of, of clients at this point in time, uh, it is really about being willing to sit down and take a look at this emotion. And remember, it's an emotion. It's not a reality. And ask yourself, is it true? Do I have evidence that what I'm thinking might happen or the worst case scenario or nobody likes me because blah, blah, blah. Or I have to be all about giving service to people because I can't give service to myself. These are all fear-based ways of thinking and I was very well acquainted with them in the earlier part of my life. Yeah, and I've, I've heard you know bits and pieces of your story on other shows and you know, you've overcome a ton. And I think what's interesting is that you've reinvented yourself many times in that overcoming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the way that I looked at it was my first go around was going into therapy. For a lot of people, it's the same way. You go into therapy realizing you've got a whole lot of BS that you need to be able to sort through. And I began to realize, I gave my first child up for adoption at the age of 20. Um, it was, you know, didn't know who the father was. And uh, my second child, I left with his father. And when I got pregnant with my third one, I said, I think I need to get my shit together, frankly. Yeah. And they, the children became my, my real driver for making these improvements in myself, but this wasn't something that would happen overnight. This was something that was, I have to say, a couple of decades in the making um, because there was a lot to uncover. There was a lot of layers inside of me that needed to be addressed. Now, here's the thing. Most people don't have the courage, and I'm going to say this just right out loud. Most people don't have the courage to really look themselves in the face and go, what's this really all about? Mm -hmm. And it was hard work. There's no question about it, which is why people won't do it. It's like, oh, that's really hard work. It's one of the reasons why I built Transformational Strategies for Success was to help people to develop their self-awareness, their emotional intelligence, their communication skills, and take a hard look at where do you get in your own way? Because we can all be our own worst enemy. How do you become your own best friend? So I did it for my children because I wanted my children to have a better life than the one that I was raised with. And I did not want to hand on the generational trauma, which is part of the deal. If you look at, at people's lives, things that get handed down over the decades through the families and yeah. the stuff that you take on, you believe to be yours. No, it's not. It's somebody else's. Uh, and so this was all part of my journey of unleashing the fear in my own life. I love that, uh, that concept of becoming your own best friend. Um, and when you're, when you're a leader, when you're a new leader, it comes with a lot of uncertainty. You're leaving being that individual contributor where you knew exactly what your mission was, right? And it was tangible to now 
not only are you dealing with your own fear, you get to deal with all the people that report to you and their fears. <laughs> that's a big, that's that's right. a big burden. And if you really want to be a good leader, you have to have that emotional intelligence to really be able to start to trust your team and lean well, into that, them. How, that's how a big one right that? there. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, here's a big one right now because to be a great leader, you have to have a, a pretty good level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to trust yourself yeah. before other people will trust you. And if you are not giving other people the attention that they deserve, i.e. direct reports, you're just telling them to get on with the job and leave you to do your job. Or perhaps you feel overburdened with your job because there's no time to have relationships with others to get into the conversations about what do you need and how can I help you? Because you're too busy helping yourself at that point. Mm -hmm. And of course the uncertainty piece is huge. You know, am I doing the best job I can do? And are the people above me seeing that? And so you're out there trying to prove yourself, which is a big piece of the fear, by the way, when you're out to prove yourself, what you're really trying to do is prove to yourself that you're capable of doing the job that you've been hired for. And if you're not taking the time to understand your own motivation, your own drive, your own fears and insecurities, and that takes time. It takes some real attention to it. And I just mentioned that most people don't want to take the time. Oh, I don't have time for that. I've had this said to me many times when people come to me for for coaching. Oh, I don't have time to do this program. And I go, okay, so do you want to be in the same place in five years from now? Do you want to feel like you're failing because you're not putting enough attention into things? Well, keep going the way you're going because that's what will happen. I mean, it's the same thing with your like physical health, right? If you want to make a more like visual correlation is that you don't gain a hundred pounds overnight. It happens over years, maybe even decades, which means it's going to take that much time to go the other direction. So it's the same thing with your mental health and your, your, your mental fortitude is that you've got to rebuild and it, it doesn't happen overnight. But here's here's the difference that I, I've discovered, and it's one of the reasons why my programs are designed the way they are, is simply to give people the opportunity to do what they need to do in the change process in the fastest time possible. Mm-hmm. As I like to say, I don't do shallow. I don't, don't check the boxes. How many leadership programs have you been part of where it's really just check the boxes, get back to work? Yep. I take people on a deep dive and it's highly self-reflective and it's highly devoted to helping you understand who are you, what is it that matters to you, where is it you want to go, and what's getting in the way. Because the what's getting in the way piece is the place where most of us are completely ignorant because mm. you've never taken the time to examine because that brings up the other side of the unleashing the fear. If you're not prepared to take time to examine what's going on for you, examine why I feel insecure, examine how I can do things better, then you just go along to get along. And how many people do we know who just want to go along to get along? Right, which doesn't help anybody, right, when that happens? No, absolutely not, no. Now, we touched on in the green room the four Ps. What what are the four Ps and how do they work? So here's how the workplace usually functions. There's four P's in the workplace. And 
most of the time there's only three of them that are really focused on performance, productivity, and profitability. The big P, the biggest P of all is people. And people are seen as, you know, the cogs in the wheel. And what I like to say is you're missing the point. They are the wheel. Yeah. And if you don't take care of your people, and if you don't put the time in to help them grow and develop, and you don't take time to develop proper collaboration with them, communication with them, then you've, you've lost the point. You know, so people go into that quiet quitting piece, you know, where it's just like, I'll do my job. How many people do you know who go, yeah, it's just a job. I'll show up, yeah. I get my paycheck, and then I go on and I get on with my life. Now, a lot of what happens there is people come to work and they put on a mask. They put on a mask that says, this is who I'm supposed to be while I'm here. And when you consider the amount of hours that we put into our lives and work, that's an enormous amount of waste. So I work with companies who are very invested in their people, who really want to help them grow and develop, and are willing to put the time in and the expense to make sure that that happens. Because at the end of the day, those are your legacy employees. They're the ones yeah. who will stick around. These are the ones who will give you that extra few hours if you need it, because they are part of your team and they understand that sense of belonging, that sense of community. Because again, think about it. If you spend all these hours at work, you want to feel like this is a place where I belong. And if you look at retention rates, they're pretty high. And disengagement yeah. is definitely a big issue. So when, and the research is done, it's, you know, you can look at McKinsey, you can look at Gallup, you can look at Deloitte. They're all saying the same thing, you know. So how do you combat that? How do you help people to address their insecurities, their uncertainties? Yeah. How do you help them develop the confidence in their capabilities so that they can deliver better performances more productivity and bottom line profitability. What it's do you not think a about equation. No, and and you know one thing that I like I personally try to do is have radical candor with folks. Right? And that's that's radical feedback, that's you know and timely feedback, not let's wait till your annual review to have a conversation, but let's have a conversation right now. Um how do you think is some of the better ways to help your team combat their either their own fears, but then also elevate and really pour into what they do well to give them those wins? You've got to you've got to take the time to sit down with them and give them the opportunity to talk to you. How many people are afraid to talk to their bosses? Mm. I see this all the time. I don't know what they're going to say. Oh, they're going to think I'm a loser. They're going to think I'm no good at what I do. So I guess I'll just keep my hand down and I won't actually engage. Well, mm -hmm. you as a leader, it's your job to engage. Your job is to sit down with them. And even if it takes time, and I'm coaching a senior executive right now who is very hard-headed and very direct about how he wants things done. And he's learning how to actually reach out and say, how can I help you? And if things yeah. are not going right, the question you ask is, can you help me understand? Mm. What is it that you don't understand? What is it that you need? What, where, you know, what can we do together? 
Because after all, when you think about it, workplaces get split into silos. You know, they're all, you know, you got your division, I got my division, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line is you're all working for the same goal. You want to see the company thrive. And ultimately, you want to thrive within it. But again, that piece is missing frequently. So stepping into that conversation, making time for that conversation, if you've got a problematic direct report, you want to explore, you want to examine that a little bit more to find out what it is before you're quick to say, as one of my executives did, you're fired. I'm done. I can't be bothered with you. As uh -huh. opposed to, you know, the, the stuff going on here, I don't quite get it. So, can, you know, I'm opening it up and I'm giving you permission to speak, to share your ideas. That's another piece of it. Give people permission to share their ideas. We talk about psychological safety. You know, what mm. does psychological safety mean? It means that I'm not terrorizing you, number one, you know, the fear-based stuff. Um, and the second piece is I'm giving you space to be able to talk freely about what's going on. So one of my clients recently just took a one-month mental health break. And wow. um, the company CEO said to me, it's what she needed. Yeah. So I let her go. I let her, and her workload was transferred over onto other people. And now the other people who got the workload are working in an environment that is caring and communicating. So they went, yeah. okay, we can take care of her stuff. She needs to go do this. Now, how enlightening is that in the workplace? It doesn't happen very often. Uh, nice. This particular CEO calls herself the chief empowerment officer. I like it. She's oh, the only one. I love it. that. Yeah. That is a fantastic title of someone who really is leading with that servant mindset. Yeah. I mean, she comes at it with great heart. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's no question I haven't met anybody quite like her. Um, she comes with a tremendous heart. But at the same time, she's also very savvy and, and yeah. very clear that, you know, she's running a business and she needs to make it work. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I've worked with quite a few of her employees. Whatever they need, I'm there to give it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. You know, we, we talked a little bit uh, in the, the green room, as I like to call it, mainly because my wall is green behind me. But <laughs> we talked a little bit about like what's what's my biggest fear? And I said, failure, right? And you immediately were like, wow, that, that's like the number one thing you hear. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. Why do you think that is something that is so top of people's like list? So here's when we, we think about failure, it's about being judged. Mm -hmm. It's about being rejected, criticized. It's about that sense of I'm not good enough. I'm not capable. Um, these are the big things that come up. That's where the self-doubt kicks in. Now, you've heard people talk about the imposter syndrome. I absolutely yeah. abhor that term. And I'll tell yep. you why. Because I think it's, it's a label and it's a bullshit label, frankly. It's self-doubt and lack of confidence primarily. That's what it is. So when we're looking at failure... My take on failure is this, that we're all failing our way to success. And if you look back over your life and you were to do a column of failures and successes, I guarantee your success column is going to be higher than your failure column. Yeah. 
but you'll also look at your failures and go, what was the lesson I learned? Where did that take me? Where did my yeah. roots have to change because of that failure? So therefore, what is failure, but it's a choice, a decision, or an expectation that didn't go the way you had planned? It's yeah. a very simple idea, but it's absolutely true. And yet I hear again and again, what's your greatest fear? Failure. Oh, okay. So let's analyze that. Let's yeah. see where that you actually stand with that. It is a belief that if I fail at something, then I'm going to be criticized or judged for being not good enough. Yeah, it's interesting. If you're working on a project, many times we say fail fast so you can learn quickly, but we don't give ourselves that grade. Right. And, and of course, again, I like to say, God knows, I've had so many failures in my life. I failed as a mother. I failed as a business owner. I failed as a wife. I failed all kinds of ways over my, my lifetime. Am I stronger because of it? Yes, absolutely. Is that one of the reasons why I can unleash the fear? Absolutely. Because I can look back on it and I can go, what did you, what did you learn from this? How tough did you get as a result of going through that? And that speaks to the issue of resilience. Because the challenges we have in our lives are designed to build strong resilience. I have a black belt in karate, and I earned it on my 49th birthday. Now, I trained for years in martial arts. I did Taekwondo, then I did karate, and uh, as I said, I was you know fairly late in my 40s when I got my black belt. What I learned through my, my training was the discipline of not only the physical movements, but the mental as well. People don't seem to understand a lot of the times. I would you know, mention I have a black belt and people go, oh, I have to watch out for you. And I'd go, you're missing the point. Right. It was like a meditation. When I did my training, it was a meditation because I had to be 100% present to what it was. But I learned some things about life in general that I apply now to everything. When you're in martial arts, you're in a fight. Okay, you've got an opponent. And there were six things that I learned about being in the fight. Number one is you got to be committed. You've got to be in a commitment to whatever mm -hmm. that is. The second piece of that is you've got to be focused. Focus on your opponent, but also focus on whatever it is that you need to have an outcome on. The third piece is discipline. You've got to do thousands of hours of training in order to be able to do things instinctively. And the discipline of showing up, even when you cannot be bothered, is a big deal. And that's another driver for our success, of course. Mm -hmm. After discipline comes follow through. And that's where a lot of people fall down. They don't have follow through. They don't know how to follow up. They just, you know, get it done. End of story. Well, you know, you got to make the effort. Follow up. Then there has to be consistency. And consistency is also another thing that was hard. It was certainly very hard for me. Now, an old boss of mine once said to me, the most consistent thing about you, Jacqueline, is your inconsistency. And I was like, yes. Don't want to be like everybody else. Thought it was great. Yeah, not so much at this point in my life. I'm running my own business. I need to learn how to be consistent. 
And the last piece is perseverance. And this speaks to the failure piece. You fall down, you get up. You don't stay yeah. down. You don't stay down. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Commitment, focus, discipline, follow through, consistency, and perseverance. And these are the six things that guide all of us to success. I, I love it. I'm going to change gears a little bit. I like to ask uh, many of my guests this question. Jacqueline, if you could go back in time and go talk to yourself 20 years ago, what advice or conversation would you like to have with her? Stay the course. Mm. Yeah. Stay the course. Continue to believe in what you think is what you want. I mean, 20 years ago, I was singing as a cantor for synagogues in Paris and Amsterdam. I'm a professionally trained singer also. And I was writing my first book. And the stay the course piece is about just keep believing. Yeah. Yeah. See, I love this because, you know, it, there's so many times we get distracted or we give up and we're this close. That's right. This close. That's right. Achieving what we want. And I love that concept of stay the course. Just stick yeah. with it. And it's been a driver of my entire life. Stay the course. And, um, you know, I mean, I've been bankrupt and I came back from bankruptcy and it was stay the course. Mm -hmm. You know what you, you, you know where you're going, have that vision and stay in the hope and the faith that that vision can be realized. Yeah. Many people unfortunately don't have a vision. They, they're basically day to day. Uh, so have a vision for yourself. Know, know a bit more about, what it is that you really want out of life. Yeah. Uh, I talk about, you know, looking for fulfillment. And in the beginning, I had no idea what that meant. My background was you get a job, you have get married, you have kids, and you go out on a Saturday night. That was fulfillment. Not in my book. Right. Yeah, yeah you, you obviously had a desire for something bigger. Always. I've always yeah. been a dreamer. I always believed there was more and I didn't believe I was going to have more for a long time, but more showed up in my life. And I've been very fortunate. There's a great quote that I, I frequently uh, give out Joseph Campbell, who uh, is a famous mythologist. Um, he said the privilege of a lifetime is knowing who you are. Oh, the privilege, that's powerful. The privilege of a lifetime is knowing who you are. And I first heard that about 20 years ago. And I thought, I want to know who I am. Mm. Yeah. That's really powerful, you know, because that's who you should know the best, but sometimes we don't. Well, we don't so. know who we are until we, we strip away all the labels and we strip mm -hmm. away all the insecurities and the, the stories that, that we believe to be true about ourselves. And that's yeah. work. That's the work. Yeah. Well, I, I'm super excited for you to be on a TEDx stage. I, you know, you shared that with me earlier today. I was like, yes, you know, yes, this is awesome. She's going to be fantastic. And Thanks. I can't wait to, to see it and, and hear your message on that platform as well. But if people want to get in touch with you, if this resonated with them or they want to read one of your books, you know, how, what's the best way for them to reach you and, and get started? 
Well, you can reach me at Jacqueline at JacquelineWales.com if you want to send me an email, if you want to talk about any of my programming. There's certainly plenty of information on my website, JacquelineWales.com, and all of my books are available on Amazon. That's fantastic. And When the Crow Sings, is, is it, it's a novel based on your life, correct? It's based on three generations of women in, in Scotland giving birth to children outside of marriage until one woman has the courage to give her child up for adoption. And it's in semi-fictional form, format, so I tell the story of my grandmother, my mother, and myself. But it looks wow. like a fiction book. So That's amazing. So thank you so much again for joining us here at, at Might in Motion today. I, I really appreciate you sharing your message. I cannot wait once again to see you on a TEDx stage. I wrote down copious amounts of notes over here. So some of my big nuggets was, you know, there's the four P's. So it's performance, productivity, profitability. But if you don't have people, it doesn't really matter. And, and maybe there's a fifth P, which is permission and be, having creating that permission to be psychologically safe with your, with your team. Um, to be a good leader, you have to trust yourself. Uh, and you know, your six points commitment, being focused, having discipline, follow through, consistency, and perseverance. Those six things, if you can master them, you can master anything. So thanks again. This was this was full of amazing nuggets that I am excited to share with the audience. Well, thank you, Mariana, for, for having me on and for you know giving me the time to have this conversation. I hope it 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 motivates and inspires someone to take action because that's the only way we move forward and unleash that fear because it doesn't come just by thinking about it. You gotta take the action. Thank you for tuning into Might in Motion. If you learned something about motivation, momentum, mindfulness, or might, please like, comment, and share. Thank you.